The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. There is a Fallout game that is lost in the sands of time, is that a phrase, that is lost to us, that we never got to play, not really. There's some demo software out there, but not a full game. You might know it by the name Van Buren. This was supposed to be Fallout 3, before we ended up with Bethesda's version of Fallout 3. Now, I've mentioned this before on the show. I've talked about Van Buren and some of the things that are hinted at in the storyline and some of the characters or items or events, a number of which have been resurrected in later games. Some of these ideas have been taken into the other games that have been released and also in some of the things that are coming out for Fallout 76. So I thought it would be a great time to dig a little bit into Van Buren and see what we missed with a game that never really saw the light of day. Now, I'm going to be digging into this through, I've upgraded here, guys, through wikipedia.com. This is like the mother of all wikis because this was a big enough event in the history of Black Isle Studios and Interplay to be documented in Wikipedia when it comes to uh, the mating rituals of death claws or something like that. Not so much, but when it comes to things like this, the events of major game publishers and developers and uh, big series like fallout and what happened to potentially fallout three or what would have been Fallout three, then people like to record it on Wikipedia. So, Hey, we've upgraded. So let's, let's go into this a little bit. In Wikipedia, it says, Van Buren was the codename given to what would have been Fallout 3, a role-playing video game that was being developed by Black Isle Studios before the parent company, Interplay Entertainment, went bankrupt. This resulted in the company shutting down Black Isle, which in turn laid off the PC development team on December 8, 2003, effectively canceling the game. Prior to its cancellation, Van Buren was set to carry on the Fallout series, but was not a sequel to Fallout 2. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't set in the same world, the same universe, the same basic setting and, and you know, power armor and death claws and things like that. That means that it wasn't a direct sequel in a story manner. So Fallout 1, if you recall, we have the quest of the Vault Dweller to 
fix the water chip and then <clears throat> all the adventures that uh, he goes on after that. Now, Fallout 2, you have the events of the descendant of the Vault Dweller, the Chosen One. And you have many of the same locations in kind of an expanded map. Fallout 3, Van Buren, was a different kind of creature for a number of different reasons. So fortunately for us, a number of the staff members of Black Isle went on to form Obsidian Entertainment. And you might find that familiar in that Obsidian is known for a number of games that have come out, including Fallout New Vegas, where they brought a number of the ideas that were started in Van Buren to fruition, or at least to the light of day, I guess you could say. And Obsidian is also known for The Outer Worlds, the game that came out back in the fall and blew everyone's socks off. So same pedigree, same group of original individuals in some cases and and kind of ideology story first technology second in a lot of cases um, they're known for releasing very good story games that have some tech issues and don't really get fleshed out for another well I was gonna say year or so but in some cases they never really get fixed um, when it came to New Vegas a number of the tech issues were adjust, uh, adjusted and dealt with but in a lot of cases they weren't and the game is still pretty glitchy. So let's get back to the wiki article here. It goes into details about development and pre-development. Prior to the development of Van Buren, two attempts to make a new Fallout game were halted by Titus Software in favor for other of Interplay's titles, notably console titles. When Interplay lost the rights to make Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate for the PC, their game Baldur's Gate 3 the Black Hound in development currently at Black Isle Studios was canceled. So they they were originally the publishers of those games, Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2. But then they lost the rights to the Baldur's Gate title, which, by the way, Larian Studios now has. And there will be a Baldur's Gate 3 coming out later this year, hopefully. And I'm side note. Super excited. It's one of the reasons why we started the Dungeons and Dragons lore cast. So if you haven't checked that out yet, it was on this feed. We had episode one. Episode two is now on its own feed. So a little side note, go check that out. Get get your lore bits tuned up for Baldur's Gate 3 when that comes out and uh, be ready for that because that's going to be amazing. If you played Divinity Original Sin, Divinity Original Sin 2, these are the guys who made those. So I have very high expectations for that. So anyway, let's let's dig back into this. So they lost the rights to Baldur's Gate 3, and it was canceled in-house. In so uh, the Baldur's Gate 3 that we're going to get probably doesn't have a whole lot to do with the Baldur's Gate 3 that was in development back then. With this cancellation, Black Isle Studios' team was immediately transferred to work on Fallout 3, codenamed Van Buren. During this time, Interplay's own team was working on Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. The teams had one meeting together to plan out the games. When many of Black Isle Studios' most talented developers left Black Isle Studios, the developer Damien Filetto responded by stating it was only the trust within the team and belief that they could finish the game that kept them going. The game was officially canceled when Titus decided to try to improve Interplay's console division. 
This led to a nearly completed Fallout 3 being canceled. Members of the Black Isle team were then either transferred to the development of Fallout Brotherhood of Steel 2, which of course never came out, or Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, of which only the latter was released. What's also interesting about this is that the game engine that was developed for Baldur's Gate 3 is actually used in Van Buren because Baldur's Gate 3 never came out and they had the tech to use. So they didn't use the same game engine from uh, Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. They used the game engine from Fallout 3. And if you look at the screenshots, you can see that there's an upgrade from the previous game. It is a polygonal engine. It is still isometric. You're still looking down on the world, on the environments, and there's similarities to the way that things are designed, and it still looks like an older game. It looks like something developed in 2003, but it is a step up from where things were at. It's interesting to me also to look back at these old screenshots and compare them to what we got in Fallout 3, the actual Fallout 3 by Bethesda. What you have in Van Buren is a orangey brown world you have a desert world again you have this wasteland setting in a desert type environment and with fallout 3 from bethesda we got a world with a predominantly green hue based in a completely different location very interesting to look at the, the details there. Also, we ended up with a first-person perspective and higher poly models and characters and a game that has been able to go on through modding and, and the community around it, putting even higher quality textures and characters and things like that into the game. So I have to wonder if Fallout 3 actually came out, how would this have affected the development of later Fallout games? We would never have gotten New Vegas, but we may have gotten a Fallout 4 that was similar to Fallout 3 or what Van Buren, what Fallout 3 would have been. We would never would have really gotten Bethesda's take on the world. And I know some of you guys out there are very purist when it comes to Fallout games. And Bethesda did okay, but they're not really real Fallout games, that kind of mentality. And and I get that. I get that. You, you see something when it first comes out, it gets kind of ingrained in your expectations and your psyche and then changes along the way, feel like they move you further and further away from the thing that you originally enjoyed. I get that. That's That's a thing that happens with all of us. But from my perspective, somebody who started with Fallout 3, there are certain things that Bethesda has brought to the games that I really do appreciate. I like the dark humor, and there's always been dark humor. Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 were much, much darker in some ways than Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 were. They were much more adult, and the games have kind of toned that down to reach a broader audience, uh, more of a, a teenager audience as well, be a little bit more socially acceptable. I mean, of course, you still have things like cannibalism and all sorts of terrible things happening, you know, corpses hanging from ropes in front of super mutant buildings, but you have a lot less in the way of the, I don't know, the things our society has less of a tolerance for, especially when it comes to uh, our children being <laughs> involved. It's, just, it's funny. This opens up another side tangent about why we're so okay with violence when we're not okay with sexuality and those kinds of things. But whatever. So let's move on from that. And 
or let's go back to it, I guess, and just think about it. What what would the landscape be like if Fallout 3 came out and was successful and never ended up in the hands of Bethesda? We might end up with a number of other games in the series. Would it have ever changed from an isometric perspective? Would we be stuck in the Midwest for all of the iterations of the game? I don't know. It's kind of fun to think about. All right. While you guys stew on that, we're going to take a quick break and do the middle of the show stuff. And after that, I will be back with more details specifically about the plot and the events of Van Buren. So stay tuned. Hello there, old chap. All right. So everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever Hulu BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore expressvpn.com slash fallout lore to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Tom or Robots. Why did I hold out show like that? Man, I'm talking strangely today. Maybe it's the being isolated in my house with only my wife and my child to talk to. That might be part of it. Although, you know, I've been doing some other stuff. Um, I got to play some Dungeons and Dragons with some good old friends of mine over the weekend. We did it over uh, Discord chat, like video chat. And I ran a Fallout adventure again using that uh, that play set, I guess, uh, rule set. That would make more sense of the Fallout world with a simplified Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. And um, it's going pretty good. We, we did two days. We did, I don't know, about I don't know seven or eight hours total of playtime. And they're getting to the place where they're starting to understand how everything in the world is starting to connect together. So that's a lot of fun. Um, if any of you guys want to play that, I posted it again in the Discord channel. Uh, I believe it was in the Fallout Lorecast channel or no it was in the Dungeons and Dragons like role-playing channel that's where it was and if you any of you guys want to try and play that I know people have talked about it before but um yeah feel free to do that grab some other people on discord start your own adventure so have, have people in a vault and give them some sort of crazy situation they have to deal with 
It's a lot of fun. So other than that, things have been going all okay. I mean, I've been basically staying in my house. My wife has co-opted the uh, office and my son has been in school at home, which I've been helping out with and uh, grading his math. So I have to go back and do fourth grade math again, which is always a fun time. You know, everybody loves doing uh, long division, um, <laughs> but uh, he's doing good. Everybody's doing pretty well around here um, other than, you know, just dealing with the craziness of the world right now. I hope these podcasts are bringing you some escape from the craziness and some positivity, some things to look forward to. Um, I'm going to keep doing the podcasts and keep this stuff going because I it's what I'm doing. I'm not going to give up on it. And I know you guys enjoy it. So, so I appreciate that. Um, in light of that, if you'd like to help support the show, then of course you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or any podcatcher that you use. The ones on iTunes, particularly, I can pull up and read them all. So if you do that, they will get read out at the episode at the end of the month. So we have a new month here, which means new patron call at the end of this month. So if you're interested in joining us, you can always sign up tier four patrons and higher get to join us at the end of the month. Even tier one patrons who don't necessarily get to join us in the call can still get the episodes without any ads. So go check out patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Oh, and tier two and tier three patrons get permanent discounts on the Robots Radio merch store. So if you're looking for a Fallout Lorecast t-shirt or sticker or something like that, you can go check that out. Links to all that stuff is on robotsradio.net. And um, let's see, anything else cool to talk about? I did mention it earlier in the show. The Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast is off to a great start. Thank you all for tuning into that on this feed. And uh, if you're interested in continuing to listen to that, go look up the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast on whatever podcatcher you have, it's it's out there everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. And make sure that you subscribe and give it a listen. We've done the second episode. We will be releasing the third episode this week. We are talking about the creation of the universe, the creation of everything, which is, of course, a really crazy big topic. And then it gets into like dragon gods and that kind of stuff. Really cool stuff. We have some really fun ideas for where we're going to take this show and some of the cool stuff that we're going to do with it in also presenting the lore, but kind of continuing the story of the two of us being stuck in this wizard's tower and what's going to happen. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. Go check it out if you haven't yet. I think if you're into dragons and dungeons and you know, that kind of fantasy stuff, I think you'll like it. So that's what I got this week. And at the end of the episode, stay tuned for a Recording from one of our tier four patrons who wasn't able to make it into the the discussion with us last week, but was able to send in a recording with some of their ideas. So stay tuned for that at the end of the show. And now we're going to go back to the rest of the episode. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So like the first two Fallout games, Van Buren would have taken place in the American Southwest, Arizona. Nevada, Colorado, and Utah, not California this time. Now, this is according to the fandom.com slash wiki article slash wiki article, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the westernmost sites on the game map are the easternmost borders of the New California Republic. According to the design docs, it was to be set in the year 2253. So almost 200 years in the future which is where Fallout 3 ends up being. 
So it's kind of similar in that way. This uh, Some of the places that appear in Van Buren include the Tibbetts facility, which is a prison, Denver, a place called Dogtown, Boulder Dome, Hoover Dam, and the NCR, familiar, right? The Grand Canyon, Twin Mothers, which is Vault 29, the Nursery, the Reservation, Jericho, Maxon's Bunker, Fort Abandon, Mesa Verde, Ouroboros, Blackfoot Village, Burham Springs, Bloomfield Space Center, and Ballistic Orbital Missile Base 001. These were all things that were set to show up in the game, and some of them might sound a little familiar to you if you've played some of those other games. Uh, Some of the things that were actually cut out of the final version of the game before it got canceled were places like New New Canaan, 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 is that how you pronounce it? Uh, and the Jericho Distillation Plant, which were both kind of merged into the town of Jericho. Hangdog Village. Man, I'm having a hard time pronouncing things today. Design documents for Hangdog and Blackfoot Tribes were merged. Circle Junction, the Crater, Moletown, and Caesar's Legion location. So Caesar's Legion. There you go. Fallout New Vegas. So you can see how some of these things actually ended up in future games now let's go into the plot because this is probably the thing that most of you guys are wondering about so according to the wiki it says the game would have begun with the player character in a prison cell because of this the player was given a choice the prisoner could be an innocent that was in prison because of some misunderstanding or they could choose to be a criminal and take bonus traits that would bolster some of their skills So one of those two choices seems a little bit more beneficial, but sketchier. You know, do you want to start out as a criminal? The player would awaken in a prison cell, but not the one they remembered falling asleep in. Suddenly, the floor rocks violently from an explosion, and the player is knocked unconscious. When they awaken, they find their cell door open and a hole in the wall leading outside. Leaving the prison, the character is under attack by some unknown assailant. Deciding that discretion is the better part of valor, the player flees into the night to explore this new world. Unfortunately, this newfound freedom may be short-lived. The player is relentlessly pursued by robots who want to, well, not me, other robots, who want to return them to the prison. As they explore the world and try to outwit their pursuers, they begin to uncover an underlying plot. Why was the character in a different prison than the one they fell asleep in? Why can't they remember being transferred? What was the attack on the prison about in the first place? Then they find out about the NCR's problems, and a few things don't add up. Just like all the titles in the Fallout series, the story ends with multiple different endings for every community and faction that you interacted with. Their outcome depends on your actions. Now, there's a section here below that that says Presper's Plan. Eventually, the player would discover the true reason behind the prison and the attack on it. It turns out that through extensive research, the mad scientist called Presper disgusted with what the world turned into after the war, discovered the history of the new plague, the virus that FEV was initially created to cure. You guys remember me talking about this on episode, like two episodes ago, and its genocidal potency, and also discovered a viable means to cleanse the world. Using Odysseus, the quarantine prison, and a ballistic satellite known as Bomb 001, 
the way to human planetary domination in order became clear. He needed to get the bomb 001 and use the nuclear weapons to clean the filth and wretch that currently have occupied the surface. Presper and his followers released the new plague virus in the remote areas near Boulder and Denver. It was close enough to the quarantine prison to spur Odysseus into action, but not near enough to cause huge populations to start a general panic. Now, let's pause here for a second and go into what exactly this Odysseus thing is. So it says here that uh, Odysseus is an extremely advanced AI created by the scientist Derek Greenway. So get this. Odysseus was an order of magnitude more powerful than contemporary Zach's units. It was designed to coordinate and operate all of the vaults before the federal vault projects were privatized. Poseidon sold the AI to the government for use in the maintenance and coordination of Tibbet's prison, which housed war criminals slash deserters who had been exposed to biological weapons or radiation in Denver or in the Yangtze campaign. Even though it was retrofitted for maintaining the prison and monitoring the prisoners, it still retained an inordinate amount of security clearance. Other than prisoners, no humans were present at Tibbet's. Odysseus commanded the all-robot staff, including the seldom-roused Argos, who served as the tireless defender of the prison. The government wanted Odysseus to be able to advise on the spread of plague vectors in the case of prison break. This included warming up launch sites like the Bomb 001. So we have here a very powerful AI, and we could go a lot deeper into Odysseus, but the idea here is that Lots of security clearance, lots of connections to other robots, and eventually it developed a split personality, which, of course, causes lots of issues. So going back to the original wiki article, it continues and says, Once enough people were infected and Odysseus arrested enough people to just about fill up the prison, Presper's men would stage an attack on the prison which would allow everyone to escape. This event would start a countdown of sorts for missile launch on Bomb 001. Odysseus would assess the viral spread, try to gather up the escaped prisoners, and once 90% of the prisoners had been retrieved, launch nuclear missiles to clean and prevent any further infection. By the time this happened, Presper had planned to be on and in full control of Bomb 001 and reprogramming targeting solutions to clean the areas he wanted. Humans of his choosing would wait out the second nuclear holocaust in the Boulder Dome until the day came where he declared the Earth safe for pure-blood humans once more. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that storyline and <laughs> how you think it would go, and if you if you would find it interesting. Um, we didn't get that in New Vegas, of course, but there are similarities, and there were places and locations and characters, the NCR, Caesar's Legion, things like that, which were originally planned to be in the game. But I'd love to hear your perspective on a second nuclear fallout that seems like a really interesting way to set up uh, fallout 4 and the future changes of the world and maybe even more extreme radiation and disease and the new plague being out there again seems like a really interesting turn of events 
Now to wrap this episode up, let's get into a few little details that are kind of interesting here. The game used a highly modified version of special. You guys know special, right? Strength, perception, endurance, intelligence, charisma, all that stuff. Um, man, I didn't do that in order, did I? That'd be speech call. <laughs> the character system used in the previous Fallout games, right? The changes were introduced mostly by J.E. Sawyer. Some of his changes were accepted well in the Fallout community, while some, such as merging combat skills and dividing speech into deception and persuasion, were quite controversial. Now, I find this the most interesting thing because I've been kind of noting this for a long time, how cool it would be to create a non-human character in a Fallout game. Well, check this out. Van Buren was at some point planned to have three playable races, including humans, ghouls, and super mutants. All right, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers, thank you for joining me again for the Fallout Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, and until next time, be careful out there. The new plague is spreading. Don't, don't go get it for yourself, and definitely don't give it to your grandma. She doesn't need it. All right, guys. I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Hey, robots. This is Swamp Man. My favorite Fallout game is Fallout 3. The reason why is at the time the game came out, I was uh, vehemently against any Bethesda games uh, and first-person perspective games because at the I had a condition that they coined uh, 3D motion sickness where you actually – Get the symptoms of motion sickness playing a 3D game. Pretty interesting. It sucks. Uh, but the uh, the allure of the uh, post-apocalypse wasteland really uh, kept drawing me in. So I eventually gave it a try. I seen you know the great ratings that it got in all the game magazines and whatnot. And uh, two three hours in, I just I gave up on it. I didn't like it. I, you know, I didn't get the gist of it. <clears throat> and uh, I went and I read another article later on that said, uh, you know, you should really give this game at least three to four hours a try before you make a judgment about it because there's a lot going on and the game's really slow in the beginning. So I did, and I, I think I went to Megaton the first time and was actually able to defuse the bomb. I had done some crazy random character, and uh, I guess I had a high enough explosive skill, I believe it was. And uh, from that point on, you know, I, I really started liking it. And the thing that impressed me the most about it was when I went back and I told my friends what I had done about defusing the bomb, he looked at me in bewilderment and was like, I, I totally did not have that at all. I didn't I didn't even know you could do that. And that's when I got hooked. So, you know, uh, this being so interesting and, and a lot of people comparing it to the Elder Scrolls games, it encouraged me to go back and try Elder Scrolls 3 and Elder Scrolls 4. And uh, so now I consider myself a Bethesda fan. You know, uh, It even made me go and try the isometric Fallout games 1 and 2, which I absolutely love. But uh, for me, you know, that's uh, Fallout 3 will always hold a special place in my mind as one of the best Fallout games ever. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. 
If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.